Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News show. July 24th, 2020. It was supposed to be the opening day of the Olympic Games in Tokyo. Instead, we have something much better. The return of competitive football in France with the Coupe de France final. PSG make it three trophies out of a possible five this season after a 1-0 win against Saint-Étienne with Neymar the goal scorer. Who else? After a brutal first half, Saint-Étienne come home honorably and with a wealth of promising youngsters. Kylian Mbappé shined for 25 minutes before getting injured as Loïc Perrin, Saint-Étienne's emblematic captain, ends his career in Zidane-esque fashion. How does this match rate as the start of a new season? Or should I say as the end of a season, even though it was already finished? Is it both? Is it neither? Is, is the space-time fabric of football falling apart? These are the sort of existential questions we have been asking ourselves in French football lately. But if you feel overwhelmed, don't worry. The banalities of it all are coming back and we'll be talking about them at the end of this pod with news of another managerial change at Monaco and continued chaos in Bordeaux. I am your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. I've got a great panel with me here today. First of all, we have Eric Devon. Hi, Eric. Hey, Pierre-Paul. Uh, nice to be back on. It's been a couple of years, but uh, I've missed it and glad to talk about it. Exciting yeah. restart or end to uh, French football after the difficult time the world's been going through in the last few months. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome back, Eric. I mean, as you say, you, you you spent quite a bit of time on this pod, but this is our, our first one together. So it's, I guess, a strange uh, meeting some time later for you. Uh, we also have Kale Stockwell here. Hi, Kale. Hi, Pierre Paul. Thanks for having me on. Glad to be Great. back talking about French football. Great to have you. You've been our, at GFN, you've been our chronicler of, of, of what we call the French football farce. Let me ask you something. Have we flattened the farce curve? Are, are things looking better for French football now? I think so. I hope so. I mean, I don't think they could get much worse than they were in the height of the summer and all the madness <laughs> was going on. But uh, I think uh, for now, everything looks good. And I think it's great for the league, at least that they'll be the first ones back to start the 2021 season. So we've got that to look forward to. That is true. And finally with us, Philippe Bargiel. Hey, Phil. Hi. Good evening. Good evening. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was, uh, it was great. It was great to watch, I think. <laughs> so ha- have you popped the champagne or, or is the Coupe de France too small a fish for you? No, I'm waiting for the uh, Atalanta um, disaster to, to come. Uh-huh. Maybe, maybe, have, maybe, uh, maybe a small bottle against against Lyon, but uh, yeah, not not too celebratory um, until August 12th, I think the date is against Atalanta. Mm. Atalanta drew uh, at at Milan this, this evening, by the way, which is not a bad result. So it's uh, it's all uh, it's all a bit uh, uh, worrying. We shall see. Well, if I were you, I would just drink it all after the first win because you know who knows. If there will be wins later, if you're, if you're saving it for that, um, that's taking a risk, I guess. So let's start with this game, guys. Uh, a 1-0 win for PSG. It was closer than, than we would have expected, possibly. What do you think, Eric? Oh, I think that two things. Uh, I think, one, that Claude Puel, more than he had at any point during that dreadful run of the second half of last season, has this team playing well, working for each other, uh, pressing hard, switching positions, uh, creating a lot of variety in attack, even playing without a recognized striker tonight, which I thought was a surprise that could backfire on them. But Yeah, the, so they started Romain Amouma up front. What, was that kind of... I mean, I thought that was a bit strange, but... 
I think that uh, that was uh, that was a brilliant that was a stroke of genius. I mean, I think to okay. you got you got Tiago Silva, who's you know a rather heavy legged defender. Uh, you've got uh, Mitchell Backer, who's playing you know a, a relatively inexperienced left back. So being able to have he and Hamoum and Boanga uh, flit about the penalty area and pull players out of position, I think was a, a really a brilliant move. He went with a more orthodox striker like a Lois Diony, even a Charles Abbey. I don't think that you would have had the same uh, amount of movement and dynamism that allowed Saint-Étienne to, to be so effective at turning uh, defense into attack. And I think that was, uh, that was, that was a, a, good ma- a good game plan from Puel. And I think it was, it was well executed by the, by the players, you know, especially up, into, up, up until Perrin sending off. And uh, Kale, Saint-Étienne came in roaring, really, with a you know, big tackle after just 65 seconds, which got a yellow card. Uh, that was for uh, Ivan Masson, who was actually making his his debut, and it really set the tone for that kind of brutal first half. Yeah, I mean, I think as the half went on, Saint-Étienne struggled more to control that energy, but certainly at the beginning, I, I thought it was fantastic. And I mean, as as it was alluded to just a second ago, that the the pace and the ferocity, especially with the front four and how hard they pressed the PSG backline. And I thought the way that they identified the fullbacks as the sort of the, the problem area for PSG was brilliant. And it really, I think threw Tuchel's side off. I, I don't think like myself watching it, I don't think they expected them to come out that hard and that aggressively. And usually we see PSG sort of in their height and in their flow really expose that type of high pressure. But I think we saw a little bit of the rust uh, on them from such a long layoff, just not being able to fully capitalize on that immediately. And credit to Saint-Étienne, they, they, were, they were great at the beginning in the first 29 minutes of the match. And of course, for anyone who didn't watch the game, uh, in the 25th or 26th minute, Lloyd Perrin came in with a massive tackle uh, on Kylian Mbappé, which got him a red card. Also, took Mbappé off the pitch, got injured. Uh, and that really changed, I mean, the first half and the game. There was a big brawl and a lot of yellow cards. We'll get to that in a minute. But but Philippe, let's, let me take you back to what Kel was saying about PSG's defense. PSG yeah. came into this game with some big wins in, in, in friendly matches against smaller clubs, of course. Uh, yeah. is, is this a good test for PSG and, and for that back line? It was certainly a better test than uh, against uh, the sweet sides with Luat, Celtic and, uh, and Bivan. And uh, it was certainly a, a much better test because I thought, I thought our defending was uh, was pretty poor and that Saint-Étienne, um, as I said, um, started the game very, very well and then uh, just uh, couldn't uh, because, because not only because of the, uh, the sending off, but you, you felt that uh, that type of energy probably wouldn't have been present uh, throughout throughout the game uh, so it was a it was a great test and but of course it's it it was it was unsurprisingly worrying honestly when you when you have a very good players like uh, like Wanga or or Amuma running at uh, running at players and you see that the uh, that there's a defense is just not really used to having having that I mean we didn't see much of it against uh, against Celtic or against Bevan we we saw a bit but but this was uh, this was a bit more, shall we say, uh, obvious. And uh, yeah, it's it's quite it's quite wrong because uh, we've got uh, we we have to play a very very uh, decent Italian side, 
um, later in well uh, in a month now in a bit less a bit less than a month in in three weeks and uh, they're in great form they, they they have great they have great players they have great midfielders they have a great they have a great forward of course I mean I, I don't I don't honestly think that we'll line up uh, like uh, like we did this evening uh, against against Atalanta but the few we saw of Santosin playing well was also us not being able to uh, contain them. And that's what's worrying. Yeah, Eric, did did you have any thoughts on that as well? Yeah, I think I think there is something to be said. It was a surprising choice for many. A commentary here on American TV and Band Sports mm-hmm. mentioned that it was a surprise that Paredes was in for in for Verratti. That there was a bit more of a prosaic approach to uh, to PSG's midfield rather than the dynamism you'd expect with Verratti with his passing mouse. And uh, I think that that's that for its way out. That the PSG did sort of struggle to contain things in the middle. Uh, I think that Paredes is a bit more slow-footed um, and not as adept of a passer as Verratti. And I think that going forward, that was a challenge. And I think that that left-back situation, um, if Bernat is not able to be fit in, ter- in terms of the Champions League, uh, it could be a problem as well. I mean, Kurzawa could have been an option off the bench, but I mean, let's face it, he's continually regressed since he's joined PSG. And I, I think that, yeah, I agree with Philippe that there are, there are real question marks, Mbappe or not, um, looking forward to that Champions League match, even, even, and there even could be against Lyon, who looked sharp uh, in attack at least in their friendlies. I thought Mitchell Backer had had a decent game though, um, especially on the ball. He he made some kind of good interventions. It's only I believe it's only his second game for PSG. He's a 20-year-old uh, recruit from Ajax from last summer. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, Verratti didn't start like you said which didn't stop him from getting his habitual yellow card, even on the bench. <laughs> and guys, let's take a minute maybe and talk about uh, what happened to Kylian Mbappé. Well, first of all, you know, his involvement on the first goal, Kale, was phenomenal. Just wonderful. I mean, just the, the stuff that you like to watch from Kylian Mbappé, just so dynamic, so quick. Just fantastic combination play. I mean, it, frankly, not even the first goal. You saw it, you know, three times maybe in lead up to the first goal. Just those mm-hmm. casual flicks, dropping into midfield, connecting with players, bringing people into play. He's just such a dynamic player. And that first goal was was just encapsulated a lot of what he can do and a lot of why that sort of 4-2-2-2 formation is working so well for Tuchel and why he works so well in it. So. It was really unfortunate that he had to leave the game. And and Sarabia didn't really have the same kind of, you know, impact on the game, the same weight on the game as Mbappe, who could really just accelerate things with one touch. I mean, he had a fantastic back heel um, to kind of set up an attack at, at one point as well. And he came uh, off. Yeah. I thought Sarabia was, I thought he played pretty well. Like I, I mean, he's not as good as Mbappe, mm-hmm. obviously, but I think he, he offers you a lot. Like he offers you a lot defensively and he can give you a lot going forward. I thought to to be honest, the 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 biggest issue for me was this was what was mentioned earlier, which is Bernat. Like I, I as as well as Backer I thought played, Bernat offers you so much in that position. Mm. Like in possession, moving forward, he connects so well. I, he's a huge loss for them at fullback. He's got a great understanding with Neymar. Uh, speaking speaking of him. Uh, I wanted to to ask you guys. Didn't didn't anyone else uh, think that uh, his scoring was not exactly on? I mean, he did. He, he was offside. He was offside for a, a first chance where he missed an open goal, 
and the yeah. goal, he he actually didn't hit the target because it went off the bar. I didn't find him particularly lethal in the penalty area, which is a bit which is also a bit worrying because I didn't I didn't find us attacking wise I didn't find us particularly good. Mm. So there was the also mid- a moment. Okay, but that's I mean, but Neymar Neymar missing an open goal, even though yes, uh, there was an offside position. Uh, and uh, him hitting the bike instead of you know uh, putting it in, even though yes it was a goal. To yeah, to me it's a bit of a concern too. Even though of course you know it's uh, it's only preseason, but it's 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 not like it's not any preseason. It's a very special preseason. That's an interesting point because there was a moment too where you know he did like a dummy uh, and let the ball go to Di Maria when really I thought actually that that was a great chance for him to shoot there and. You know, it's the kind of thing where a player of his caliber, you know, kind of always looking to... He would have taken it. Yeah, yeah. Always looking to increase their goal tallies. It was a great opportunity for him to take it right there. And I think you do... I mean, that's a good point that you make, Philippe. But apart from the shooting, I thought he he did have a good game. Um, The the, the chance you mentioned is probably the only nice attacking we did, except from the goal, of course. Of course, mm-hmm. of course. When you when you don't have him in Mbappe, things do change. But the chance you mention is probably the only uh, part of of decent football we did attacking wise in the second half, at least. Another worrying, you know, another worrying uh, factor to to me is that uh, we didn't particularly play better against a ten-man Saint-Étienne than against an eleven-man Saint-Étienne, which is credit, which is credit to to yes, yes, Liver. But I think that uh, that. Maybe maybe should have should have won. Maybe it's me being being a bit too too demanding at this point in the in the in the preparation. But uh, so so we probably should have done better in the second half. I watch a lot of uh, uh, Bundesliga as well, and and this PSG side reminds me so much of the Bayern side. Like you know they play a different formation, but the ideas of what they want to do and how they want to execute to me are they look really similar and. You know, they're both heavy counter-pressing sides. They're, they're at their best. They're really good in possession. Their wing rotations are really on point, And their movement through the middle of the park when they're playing well is really fluid and very difficult to manage. And I think what I saw, at least from Bayern coming out of the break, was they just didn't look exactly like the same side that sort of went into that coronavirus break. When they came out and it took, you know, three or four games before they really got back to that sort of dynamic, almost impossible side to, to contain. And I, th- and I think you can probably expect a lot of that from PSG. Like their offense is so fine tuned and it's so reliant on all these little changes and movements between players that if you're just not in the mindset to make those delicate passes or those movements, I think it can throw a lot of stuff off and make it look more languid than it otherwise would be. It's great that, uh, that, you, that you compare us to, to Bayern because they're actually my personal favorites to win and by some considerable margin to win the whole thing, to win the Champions League. Uh, and, but, but the bad thing, of course, is that uh, you said they, they, they took two or four games to get to 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 get up to speed, so so to speak, it's just something we don't we don't have. That's a problem. I mean, if 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 if, if we had uh, say two three league games before Atalanta, I would say okay, why not? But now, honestly, time it's it's almost like a, a, a course contre la montre, as we say in France. Uh, a uh, race against the clock. I think we can say yeah. it in English too. I don't I think the English say it. 
<laughs> uh, am I wrong? <laughs> no, there's an expression. Like everybody, that. Uh, every, I mean, you see my point, though. I mean, uh, it's... yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounded like uh, you guys were attributing PSG's kind of, you know, lack of of offensive incision to their own. Uh, I mean, attributing the responsibility to them rather than say. Saint-Étienne defenders like Wesley Fofana, who had a, a really good game. I don't know if anyone wants to comment yeah, on, on him. More so, I mean, Moulin as well, I think, deserves a, That's true. an incredible mm. amount of praise. I think that this is a player who has quietly been, you know, when he's had the opportunity, you know, Ruffier, Ruffier, obviously, given the situation he's had with Puel, is yeah. on his way out of the club. Um, but when Ruffier has been suspended or injured, which has been infrequently, to be fair, uh, Moulin has always, to me, stepped up and, and done a more than adequate job, and I think that he showed today his acumen for, you know, coming up with a big game with a big game performance. Uh, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic he can sustain that into the, into the season, and since Etienne can sort of rejuvenate themselves. I mean, this team and playing Ruffier and Perrin is still, you know, still in a lot a lot of the, in a lot of ways in terms of its, um, except for that brief spell under Oscar Garcia, is still the stepchild, if you will, of, of Christophe Galtier's ethos at the time, which was somewhat negative, somewhat defensive, playing on the counter. Um, and obviously they had to do it against PSG, but I think that there really is a chance for this team to take a step forward under Puel and create a new identity with, with this infusion of youth and with this, this turning over the playing squad. Even though Moulin himself has been there for a while, I think that this team is ready for a change in philosophy. And I think that um, Puel made a, a big call tonight, the way he set things out tactically. Mm. Um, and the team continued to fight, continued to look good, even even after going down to 10 men, um, had certainly had chances to um, to to draw the game or, or even pull ahead. Um, and it, I think it was it was there's a lot of credit that goes to the Ver for their performance tonight. And I think Moulin and Fofana are certainly chief among those. Uh, Buanga as well, I think, seems to tire a bit towards the end, but he looked really yeah. bright. I think he has a chance to really be a breakout player for Sante this season. Uh, provided he stays. He's a player I've liked for quite a long time. Going back to his time at Lorient, I was surprised when he didn't stay in Ligue 1 when they were relegated. I think he proved that last season by being a very integral part of Sente's play. And I think he's very poised to take the next step forward. Maybe something akin to what we saw from, uh, we've seen from Nicola Pepe or Malcolm in recent seasons, a wide player who's got acumen for for goal scoring. He could take that next step up by being a focal point of the team. I'm not expert, but uh, this may well be Moulin's best best game for the club because he's played so few. That's uh, <laughs> and I, I don't remember him being as as great as, at shot stopping as he was uh, this evening. And there was a lot of pressure on him, which is maybe a bit unfair because he's not really responsible for the Ruffier situation, no. and he's been pretty good this season. Uh, you know, under under that pressure already. I mean, okay. There was that game where they conceded six goals against PSG. It was that Coupe de la Ligue, I think. And, you know, people were talking about that one in the build-up to, to this final as well. But, yeah, I think he, it was a very respectable performance uh, from him. Um, it was inter- interesting, Eric, what you were saying about Claude Puel, because it does feel a bit like Claude Puel, seem, he seems to take jobs where he has a responsibility of of, of changing a club's identity from a certain generation to something new. So, uh, you know, he came to Lyon 
a little a little bit towards the end or after if i remember the time i don't remember the time exactly but after that great generation of the other 2000s and had to you know try to create something new there after some of those players were getting old and so on uh he went to leicester a couple of years back after after their title win and was trying to get them to improve as well and here at saint-etienne like you say you know he's the guy putting ruffier out of the team which is pretty much deserved i think he, he had a terrible season and and, and perrin is going as well and even though saint-etienne ha- is a romantic club with you know this attachment to their to their long-standing players like perrin and ruffier you know someone kind of has to do that and and Puel seems to be the man for that sort of job um Guys, let let's talk about Loïc Perrin. Uh, am I the only one who thought, you know, he was actually having a pretty terrible game even before that that um, red card? Well, including that red card too, of course. I mean, I just think he was in such a difficult situation. Like that's, I think, a really hard side to play against at, mm-hmm. at that kind of pace from Mbappe. But I don't know. That's just me. There was that, but also some of his passing at the back was was worrying. I thought. And, you know, we've seen that problem with him before, like playing out for the back. It just doesn't work very well for him. And and he may had a couple of misplaced ones early on in the game. Um, and then the tackle, I mean, the tackle, you know. Tackle's ha- awful. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sad is what it is. I, you know, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that, I mean, he, he, ha- he was early, earlier in his career used as a defensive midfielder, uh, and his passing range was one of his strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go back to you know when he was at his very best, 2011, 12, 10, and he was being linked with moves to a club like Arsenal. Um, and he was being called up into the French team, not getting capped, but still, he was in and around that team, and he was a really tremendous player. And it's it's difficult. you know. I know that injuries have played their role uh, with him in recent seasons as well as age. Um, but it was really difficult to see him end this career, uh, you know, uh, as even as a Lyon fan, I, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for Perrin as a player. Uh, he, you know, he, emblem, he's an emblematic of staying with the club and, and being a legend. And it's not something we see one club man in football all that much anymore. I think it's he and Monso, uh, off the top of my head, there's not a whole lot of them in, in France these days. I know Mandanda had his one year foray with, uh, Crystal Palace, but mm-hmm. again, it's it's not a common sight, and for a player who really was, you know, in Lyon's best half dozen defenders for the better part of a decade, it's really a disappointing uh, way to end his career. It is sad, and I mean, he's the you know the third most capped player ever in Saint Etienne history. Like you say, he's been there his whole career. It's it's a pretty brutal finish, um, and I don't, I mean. I, it's not confirmed yet that this was his last match, I believe. Um, maybe I, I don't know what the story is exactly. Maybe he might be signing somewhere else. But you know, it, it he's 35 and it, it does look kind of difficult for him. I, I don't mean that in a mean way at all. I just I, I kind of felt bad for him out there. I mean, which is not that old for for a central defender. I mean, I think he could go on and play for a lesser side with maybe uh, less. Uh, attention expectations yeah uh, I don't know I mean no no disrespect but, but some some side like Dijon or something or maybe even Ligue 2 you know but I'm I honestly don't think he should retire like like that I mean he, he doesn't have to and 35 is 
quite young to to retire for for football. I mean, they they tend to to go all all the way up to to forties these days. And it doesn't strike to me like uh, someone who has a very a particularly bad uh, hygiene or how he you know he he manages his uh, his diet and stuff. He he really comes across as a very serious a very serious guy who who's very uh, you know watches uh, watches what he what he does outside the pitch. So I'd be very surprised if he didn't play another game period uh you know and and go into management or something because he's still only 35 yeah yeah that, that's a good point and Saint-Étienne I mean I mean on the, for their part Kale they have a, a you know some good guys coming up to take his position I mean we mentioned Wesley Fofana Harold Mukudi looks would, looks quite good as well and I mean that's a young partnership back there but yeah, I think that probably in any other circumstance would have been Puel's first choice to play uh, Mukuti and uh, Fofana together. Uh, but obviously he's handing this cap to Perrin for a reason. And I think mm. you kind of saw, I mean, before he made the tackle on Mbappe, you could see that PSG were getting a little bit more comfortable on the ball and they were starting to stretch play a little bit better um, against the press and you could see a little bit like okay these two central defenders are starting to get hung out a little bit and then Mbappe gets that that pass and Perrin sized them down and I think you know speaking on Perrin a bit if if Puel wants to play like this if he wants to continue to press higher up the field and maybe maintain a higher line because he's doing that it's reason enough to bring in the younger players because they're going to have to have more pace to to track back um so just some some uh important i mean consequences of this this is psg's 13th coupe de france win so you know they're still the record holders on that and uh they're them winning the cup also means that nice who finished in fifth in Ligue 1 last season will be qualifying for the europa league for this season uh, Anything else, guys, on on this match before we move on? Well, looking forward to uh, next uh, next Friday's game. I was I was wondering, uh, Eric, if you had the if uh, this evening's game changed any you know uh, thoughts you had uh, about the forthcoming final between PSG and Lyon, uh, given uh, given Lyon's uh, friendly results and uh, and this this result. Does that change anything? You know, I think we're in for a very exciting match. I think that Lyon has yeah. looked. Incredibly exciting going forward in their preseason. Having seen all of their matches, uh, I think that Jeff Renat Laid and Memphis look certainly a challenge. Uh, we even had, saw a nice finish from Maxwell Cunha, believe it or not, in their, their match earlier today. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that we could be in for a really exciting open match. Rudy Garcia has shown, even in playing a 3 5 2, that he's willing to play on the front foot. And, and to take it to opposing teams. And I think that he may see the, the potential slash likely absence of Mbappe as being a real quandary for Thomas Tuchel. You know, I think that's going to necessitate a tactical change unless, uh, he, unless he sees Icardi uh, as being, and Chupamoteng as being a partnership in Mbappe's absence. You know, maybe Draxler comes in to offer more of a, a goal threat from midfield. But I... I I struggle to see how PSG, without Mbappe in the side, uh, are going to offer the same sort of concrete threat. That being said, Leon have been 
pretty woeful defensively. Both Marcelo and Anderson have had some gaffes in this preseason. Denier has been relatively solid, but the, the, his potential partners are somewhat iffy. Um, so I think we should expect an exciting open open game, and, and Leon especially will have a real carrot, uh, being that this is, you know, winning the Champions League aside, their only potential chance to get back into Europe next season, given, mm-hmm. given their finish. The, so yeah, that uh, the Cubs the Cubs official Twitter account said uh, that's uh, we're having that win against Antwerp this afternoon was uh, that they played very very well offensively and then conceded two goals that were extremely avoidable. Um, but do, do, do you reckon? I mean, I reckon we all have a chance against Juve. I, I honestly, I honestly do because I've been watching a lot of Juventus and they're not they're not playing particularly well. Uh, don't think the manager is, that has the dressing room. Uh, don't think the goalkeeper is particularly good. I think I think out, out of the two goalkeepers, you have the better one. I mean, I, I'm confident you can do something and actually progress. I don't know about, about you. I, I agree. I'm, they're in a good position, 1-0 up. And they're a team full of surprises. Sometimes bad ones, but... but... This this feels like a good occasion. Um, the game you mentioned, uh, Philippe, yeah, is for anyone yeah. who doesn't know, is the League Cup final, uh, Coupe de la Ligue final, which is next Friday, uh, the second uh, summer final this year. Lyon PSG, uh, which obviously exciting since they're both in the Champions League still, and uh, you know we'll, we'll have more on that in the next week. Uh, mm. So keep an eye open on that. Okay, guys, uh, let's go on and move about a couple of quick stories here. Uh, of important stories uh, over the past few days in French football. Why don't we start with Monaco, who have appointed a new manager. Uh, it's the after uh, less than a season in charge, Robert Moreno is gone, and uh, Nico Kovac takes over. Uh, Kale, you you've been you tell you told us you watched some Bundesliga. What what do you think of what did you think of Kovac back when he, he was at Bayern? Uh what do we say there? I don't think he was ever the right choice for Bayern. Uh, I don't. I don't know anyone who would say that was really ever going to work. It, that that Bayern team wasn't wasn't great to watch, and the transition since he's left has not really done him any favors in that regard. Having said that, I mean Monaco could be a good place for him to land. I think he's more of a counterattacking manager, so it could work. I, I, honestly, I find it so difficult to read Monaco right now. I, I, who knows what players will be there and won't be there by the end of the next window. And the way that coaches have rotated, who knows how long Kovac will even last. It's It seems like they're not even really sure about yeah. what they, they want to do next. So I think it's really up in the air how, how this turns out. I, on, on coach. Yeah. Sorry. I, I'd like to step in and say I... I respectfully disagree with that. I think that for the first time in a long time, and I'd say probably going back two or three seasons since the sell-off after the title win, I think Monaco want to stake their claim to having an identity. I think the appointment of Paul Mitchell is a smart one. I don't know about the choice of Kovac, but Paul Mitchell's appointment as sporting director is a player who's experienced at identifying young talent and blending that talent in with older players in the squad. If you look at the, the work he did with Southampton, Spurs, and in, indeed with um, with Leipzig and bringing in Leipzig and Kunku and Nori Mukiele and having them be successful with that team. I think that his approach to scouting 
and to have a holistic view of European football is a smart thing and will allow Monaco to take on another version of that buy low, sell high program that works so successfully for them that love them to be competitive both financially and on the pitch. I don't know about Kovac as a, as a person to lead the program, but I think that what's made Monaco go so adrift in the past seasons is, is a lack of cohesion in terms of their transfer strategy. You see them bringing in players like Yusuf Fofana, they're linked with Mohamed Simakan from Strasbourg this summer. Um, great. Those are young players who show a lot of promise and I think can really make the next step up. Pietro Pellegri as well. But then you see them bring in Assas Fabregas and Adrian Silva, Islam Slimani, who, by the way, had a decent season. Um, same with Wilson Ben Yedder. Uh, you know, I think that they were integral parts, but I don't think that those players are of a piece. And I don't think that there's a, there has been, in the last two or three seasons, a unified sporting strategy at Monaco. And I think that the appointment of Paul Mitchell will allow, allow this team to, you know, a, a legendary team in France, a legendary team in Ligue 1, to get back on onto the terms that they want to be on. I think Kovac needs time, honestly. I mean, I don't, I don't physically rate him. And again, when I heard that he was going to be the, the new Bayern manager because he had one good season in Frankfurt or maybe a bit more, so yeah, that's not. I mean, is that really the, the kind of caliber uh, Bayern want to, to to get managed by? Mind you, I mean, m- most of their of their successes in Europe were, were down to uh, you know. People knew the club inside. I mean, I personally had never heard of Hansi Flick before he was he was appointed. But going back to Kovac at Monaco, I think he just needs time. Uh, I honestly don't think there was anything particularly wrong with Robert Moreno. Uh, so if if he's only given two months to 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 prove his worth, then I'm afraid he's he's not he's probably not going to do it. I think he needs a season or two to 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 um, to prove himself. It's uh, of course uh, what Eric says is, is correct. It's uh, it certainly is a step in the right direction, uh, getting getting the board uh, tidy because it, it is it is a huge mess. Yeah, I think it's good. It's great. Like hopefully it works out. I just think let's wait. I'm like I'm not holding my breath and assuming that everything's right at Monaco yet. You know, I'll I'll wait and see. I guess <laughs> hopefully it works out though. All right. So let's move on to another one. Um, Bordeaux, who have, you know, there's a crazy situation going on there for the past year at least, maybe more. I, I don't know precisely, to be honest. And recently, there's been a lot of speculation about Paulo Souza. Will he stay? Will he go? Uh, people were saying he wanted to go. And then he was still managing the, the preseason saying, you know, I'm going to do this until I'm officially gone. And yesterday it was... Uh, it was. Uh, it turns out that he's going to stay for another season. I. I mean, I really like. I rate Pablo Souza as a manager. I think he did a really good job there last season with uh, with a squad that I don't think is. I mean, it's not a terrible league on a squad, but it's certainly not that great, and it's not super deep. Uh, and given some of their financial issues, although they made it past the Dancej, I don't think there's going to be a lot of room for them to improve that squad a lot throughout the next transfer window. Maybe there'll be some pieces here and there, but I think sort of what you see is what you're going to get. And I think mm-hmm. given what he had to work with, I I think he did a really, really quality job with that group. So, I mean, hopefully the, the relationship uh, there can can stay, I don't know, balanced enough that he can get through the season and 
hopefully there's no on-field issues that result from it. I, I agree that he made them play good football, although, you know, you could have some criticisms over some of the matches they had. But I don't know if he... I feel like Bordeaux needs, you know, some kind of charismatic leader who can who can kind of rise above the fray and 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 help everybody get behind a certain project because obviously the fans are in in a massive conflict with the owners at the moment um and and there's a lot of tensions and surrounding that and I don't know if if Paulo Suzak really is that figure um but you know I I wouldn't say that's a reason not to keep him um that's just kind of an observation that I have he doesn't play stunning football. I don't think he's going to win a lot of hearts and minds in that sense. But mm-hmm. it, Bordeaux was really not in a great place before he took over in terms of even in the table. Like it, it was concerning how low they were dropping. And yeah. I think at least what you can say about him is that he's stabilized them in a competitive sense, which, you know, maybe long term, that's not what you want. But at least for this period of time, while they try and sort their ducks out, he's he can keep them in a respectable place. And this is this is just a mess. I, I, I mean, <laughs> he's not allowed to speak by the club at their press conferences. That's that's the latest that's come out. I, how that's a situation that can be sustainable in any way is is beyond me. Um, I, you know, he was linked with Benfica before uh, Jorge Jesus uh, took over there recently, and you know, I, there's no way that he can start the season. Um, you know, especially given how open the chase for European places could be in France and Bordeaux's potential, there's no way that the club could consciously start the season with him. It's, you know, it's a matter of butting heads that is just not sustainable. And I think that's really what it comes down to. And the club have to act, whether it's, you know, well, not hiring a former player, if Lee Sangel's anything to go by. Uh, but it, it's it's a matter of them needing to find a replacement and quickly. Yeah, I mean, it's funny the Benfica job brought up because he, I think he had a couple jobs that were lined up and then those those roles got filled and then he was kind of like, oh, okay, I guess I'll be staying at Bordeaux for another season. Uh, right, so that's all we have for you uh, for today, but we'll be back next week, of course, with the Coupe de la Ligue and with the Champions League coming up behind that. Uh, we'll have lots of podcast content and more on GFFN. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at GFFN for the latest French football news. And you can also check out the website, getfootballnewsfrance.com, which has uh, some good stuff on it at the moment. And uh, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, gr- great to meet you, Eric. And, uh, and lovely to have you two, both Kale and, and Phil. So we'll speak to you soon. And thank you, the listeners, for listening. <laughs>